0: Advice on growing your integrative practice and grow confidence in being your unique self. I'm your host, Chris McDonald. I'm so glad you're here for the journey. Welcome to today's episode of the Holistic Counseling Podcast. I'm your host, Chris McDonald. I hope your day's going well. I was fortunate enough to receive a copy of today's guest's book, The Intuitive Therapist. And let me tell you, I was blown away. Janice R. Cohen wrote this amazing book and I just devoured it. It's jam-packed with so many amazing facts and information to help you discover your own intuitive abilities and to help you become more intuitive. But what about you as a listener? Are you able to tap into your intuition? Do you bring it into your therapy sessions to help clients? Or are you uncertain on how to do this? Janice is here to discuss what is intuition, ways you can increase it, and how you can use it to help clients in session for more effective counseling. She's been a licensed therapist for almost 30 years, is also a clairvoyant, empath, and medium. She is internationally known as the intuitive therapist. Janice works with spiritually conscious people who struggle to make decisions and take actions. She helps them feel confident and certain about their decisions and live a fulfilling life. Janice's podcast called the Intuitive Therapist Podcast was established in 2017. And I got to tell you, it's awesome as well. With the podcast, Janice merges intuition, spirituality, metaphysics, and therapeutic wisdom to teach listeners how they can master their emotional, psychological, spiritual, and financial destiny to ultimately achieve courage, confidence, and certainty in all aspects of their lives. Welcome to the podcast, Janice. Thank you so much. Happy to be on. So can you tell my listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you've been up to lately? Wow, well, lately I feel like I'm juggling so much and it's very, very exciting.
1: (laughs) So exciting. I am continuing to write my second book. Oh, that's Um, amazing. Yeah, it is. I I love to write. And this is really about living in the truest and highest expression of yourself. And I'm not gonna give too many details away. Certainly working on the podcast and seeing clients and really helping people tap into their gifts, which is one of my favorite things.
0: I can tell. I can tell you're passionate about all this. Even yeah. in the book, as I was as I was reading it, I can tell. I love it. Yeah. Let's just dive right in. So, what is intuition? Because you hear about that a lot, but I think people aren't really clear sometimes what exactly it is. Yeah.
1: Intuition is that little voice inside that feels like a hunch or a nudge or a little whisper of information. So it is literally your internal guidance guiding you. That's what intuition is. It's it's your gut instinct.
0: Internal guidance, our GPS. Your GPS, (laughs) that's right. Is it always the real quiet side that, that can talk to us or sometimes can it be louder? Totally can be louder. It shows up in a lot of different ways. You can have these subtle nudges. I always
1: tell the story of heading out of the house one day and I had left my umbrella on the table and I'm walking to the door and all of a sudden I felt and heard go get your umbrella. I was like, ah, but it was very subtle. It made me turn around and look back. And then I was like, you know what? Nah, I don't need that today. So I go out, do whatever I need to do, go figure I'm leaving a store and it's there's a downpour. So it was so subtle, but I ignored it. So okay. intuition, mm-hmm. it shows up in a lot of different ways, very subtly, like use this pen, not that pen. You kind of get an inkling, call this person back because you've been thinking about them. You can get intuitive signs synchronistically where there are a lot of things that happen in a series, reinforcing the hunch or nudge that you had. If you're in danger, you could get a very, very clear urgent sign to change course, to do or not to do. Like so many people, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, where you've been driving on a street and the light turns yellow. And you're like, yeah, I'll go through it. And then all of a sudden it's like, nope, don't. So you stop. And thankfully you stop because there's a car that would have gone through the intersection. So it's along a spectrum of severity, but it feels differently than any other kind of information that you get.
0: Because sometimes I hear like a voice that will tell me something. Is, Uh Is it like an external voice or internal voice?
1: It's internal. If you're somebody who isn't, who doesn't feel like they're connected to spirit guides and angels and all of that, it will then kind of qualify itself as being internal. And we could talk about this when, whenever you want, but there are four ways that we receive information. That would be um, great. Yeah. So, so the four ways they're called clairs, and what clair means, it's a French word called clear. So we have clear cognizance, which is clear knowing, clear sentience which is clear feeling, uh, clairvoyance, <laughs> clear seeing, clear audience, clear hearing. So each of us has a primary clear, primary way of receiving information. And I always tell people because they're like, "Well, I don't know which one is mine. How do I figure it out?" So let me just take your listeners on a very short journey. Imagine you walk into a restaurant or any other place like a store. What do you notice first? What you see what you hear, what you smell and sense, and what you know. That is immediately your primary way of receiving. And then all the other ones kind of
0: support. Support that. Mm -hmm. That's what I wanted. I took your quiz in your book. (laughs) Yeah. But I was kind of all over the place. That's why I'm like, I don't even know what my primary is. So can you have more than one? Or is one usually primary? One is usually
1: much more prominent but there can be a very close second.
0: That's what I wonder. Okay. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's hard to know, I guess, what your (laughs) strengths are with this.
1: Well, you know what? So here's a homework. If the listeners are also kind of confused, like, I don't know, I hear things, feel things, see things. Then the next time you go out and you go to multiple places, just be cognizant of what the experience is like when you're in these different places. Do you notice what you see first? Do you notice what you know first? Do you have a sense of the energy of the place, the feeling of it? Or can you see things? Do you notice what you see? It's literally just kind of practice and one will kind of pop up as, ah, this is the primary way I get information.
0: That's a great assignment to try Mm -hmm. to see what comes up. These intuitive gifts, are they available only to some people?
1: Oh my gosh, no. This is what I believe. I believe everybody's intuitive and I believe everybody is psychic. There are so many people that would disagree. I'm not a psychic. I can't talk to dead people. Well, that's mediumship talking to souls who passed on. Mm. Very different. But when people are in touch with their intuitive gifts, we call it kind of like a knowingness inside. And it's a neutral knowing. It's just, it kind of is. There's no bad feeling about it. It's just a kind of cold fact shall we say or just a fact for in terms of people being psychic there's a sixth sense right there's kind of a knowingness you cannot explain right that to me is kind of why I say everybody is intuitive and psychic people just don't pay attention and dismiss a lot that's why people would say that they're not,
0: they're not. okay because I know right. you mentioned sixth sensory living in your book can you yeah. talk about that
1: Yeah, and and I'll relate it to how I was as a therapist, because for about 17 years, I kind of did what I was taught, even though I really felt like I was good at what I did and I kind of had a natural gift for helping people. But I was all about the diagnostic criteria and you show this symptom and that symptom, you got to put a label on it. So to me, that was very, very kind of call it 3D earth-related, grounded in theory and, and concept. And then what happened about 13 years ago is that my gifts opened up. I always knew that I was empathic and sensitive, and but I didn't even know what that was. And I had been on a spiritual journey since I was in my mid-20s, but slowly learning about things. But when I hit 40, it was like, oh my gosh, everything opened up. Wow. I could talk to dead people and I could see and I could... Hear things and know things. Sorry about cussing, y'all. That happens. happens. So it was this beautiful, unknown place to be. And I, I could no longer be who I was. I could no longer comply with just these diagnostic criteria. There was something else in terms of my ability to help people that was being birthed. And it was an immediate shift into I have a different resource now that allows me to see things that people don't realize I see and get to the root cause immediately. And it changed the trajectory of how I work with my clients. It changed the progression of my work. And then as a human being, I became more evolved, always still evolving, but it shifted me into having to really be aware of this part of myself that just started to open up. So both as a person but also as a professional, everything shifted.
0: So that can happen that suddenly you have more gifts that come about? Well,
1: you know what happens? It was interesting. I had a friend of mine read my palm and she says, Janice, your gifts opened up exactly the way your palm said they would. At interesting. Yeah. Wow. And, and I wish I had, I wrote this in the book too. It's like, I wish I had all these stories from when I was young about having these really cool psychic experiences, but that was, that's not my story. My, My gifts opened up later on in life when they needed to, it was time, because it was time to take my life personally and professionally in a different direction. So again, I I believe that everybody has these gifts. How you work on it is the same thing as if you're going to go to the gym, you know, you go to the gym once, you don't really build the muscle. You go to the gym on a regular basis, you build your muscle. So
0: it's really the same thing. Yeah. So what are some of the steps that therapists can do to develop their intuition?
1: Well, I I wrote in the book and it is, I'm trying to, I think it's chapter 12 and it's really how to tap into your intuition. One of the first things I always tell people is to create an intention to do so. That's really where, where it starts. It's like, okay, you know what? I'm going to open myself up to this. I'm going to get real clear about what my intuitive sense is. Versus what my ego says. So my intuitive hunches and nudges, they feel uh, neutral. They're just kind of there. So I'm going to make an intention to get to notice them, to be aware of them. Okay. Which leads me to step two, which is creating an awareness. First step is creating the intention to be aware. The second is to create an awareness to be in a state of awareness where you're receiving. Okay. And so reception comes from everywhere, right? We can receive information from everywhere. I can look out my window and see a leaf that's shaped in a particular way. At the time, for example, it might look like a heart when I'm giving a love reading. A bird can come, or there may be a sound or an idea that pops into my head. So I am constantly considering and taking in everything. So that's step two. Step three, which I think in all honesty is one of the most important, it's being an imaginative state. As children, we're kind of in the present. When we're kids, all we know is the now. It's when we get older that we start filtering out the now and the playful side that we forget to be in the now. But when we're in an imaginative state, we're open. Anything's a possibility. Mm -hmm. Like when you thought, think about it, when you played with dolls when you were a kid, or if you're a guy, G.I. Joe, right? Or trucks or dinosaurs, whatever it was, you made up all these stories out of inanimate objects, right? So being in an imaginative state is really, really important. The other thing that I talk about with just step four is all about developing intuitive currency with yourself. This is huge. And it's all about documenting. It's all about writing things down. When I was in this process of really honing my skills, my gifts, I kept a notebook with me. I have one at my house and I have one in the
0: car. And I would get- nudges. I just started my intuitive journal. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful.
1: Yes. Well, you'll find that, that as you keep track of the intuitive nudges, and then what evolves that validates that, then you're going to start building up that intuitive currency and that intuitive trust. And pretty soon, the more you have the intention to receive information, the more you open up your awareness- the more you're in a playful state where you're allowing things in, the more you document, it's like you build that muscle and you start to live in the space of receiving where you know that if you get information, like this is how I live now, the minute I get a hunch or a nudge or whatever, I don't question anything anymore because I just know there's validity. And that leads me to step five, which is trusting what you get. There's so much that we blow off because it's so subtle. It's like a whisper. Those are the times where you're like, God, I wish I'd listened. I wish I'd <laughs> listened to my gut. Oh my gosh, I should have gotten the gas before getting stuck on the highway after I left from work. I should have called to confirm that reservation. I should have, I should have, I should have, right? Should have, could have. What a should have, could have. So trusting what you get is is huge. Again, that builds that currency. And then step six is taking action on what you receive. The action can also just guide you to just be. There's power in just being in the beingness. You know, sometimes that's the best action you could take. But sometimes you'll hear guidance where all of a sudden you'll start to think of somebody. You know, oh gosh, you know, I haven't talked to them in a while. I think I'll call. And then you find that maybe they're having a sad day, or they just experienced something wonderful or they needed you. So take action. Or for example, you might be working on a project and you just can't figure out one particular detail that would kind of bring everything to a close, right? And I, I just can't think, can't think, I think, well, maybe you get up and go to the bathroom while you're washing your hands. this happened to me one time, boom, there's your idea. So taking action on what you're guided to do, even if it feels so silly, You may be working hard and all of a sudden you feel this urge. Let me go to the grocery or let me run to target. Boom. You encounter somebody or something that changes your life. Are you able to help somebody? You just don't know what's beyond the nudge. And then the last step is step number seven, which is validation. That is when you step into the life of an intuitive person. Yeah. You're just living your life intuitively, following the nudges. And things become so much easier. You're not pushing against life. So those are the seven steps. And you could definitely read more about them, including the log that you were talking about, Chris. Yeah. That is, mm-hmm. it's just, it's remarkable, especially when you keep a dream log too, of what you're working on and working through and how much validity you can bring to your, your intuitive matches.
0: Can I just share my experience with that journal? Sure. So, oh yeah. And I didn't do I much so far. That's the funny part. I'd have done very little, but I already noticed in the past, just to kind of rewind, I would get yeah. visual images out of nowhere. I guess my intuition yeah. with clients. Like for an example, I had a client that was very closed off, and I just pictured her in this field surrounded by a big fence. Wow. Yes. And I think at the time that client, I didn't share it with her. I wasn't sure what to do with that. But then, you know, yeah. actually one time I did talk to a psychic who said that, you know, my, my angel said just to use that in session, to exactly. use those visuals. Yep. So I have been doing that more, but then once I did the journal that you mentioned, it just started, I don't know if it is that awareness, because it started to happen more Yep. that I would have these intuitive messages. As an example, I had a guest on, about using touch in therapy and that was teaching the client, you know, using touch like hand over heart, that kind of thing yeah. in therapy. And I've been wanting to try it. And so I had this client last week who was really having a tough time and talking about in the past something that happened traumatic. And and it was just I don't know how to describe this almost like suddenly came over me was like, okay, go back to the somatic. What's he feeling in his body? Ask him that. And then ask him to put his hand over his heart. And we've done some you know, self-touch in therapy before with him and, and ask him if you could give the grief a voice, what would it say? Right. And, oh my God, that was one of the most amazing sessions. Yeah. It, It was just perfect timing. And I'm just wondering, yeah, as an intuitive therapist, it's really can bring your therapy so much further, so much deeper for healing and faster. I'm faster. telling you, you know, yeah. that's, that's one
1: of the things that I found in that when I work with counselors, coaches, and therapists, and I train them to do what I do, nice. it's, it's like stuff moves so fast, you know, because we're typically trained as therapists, coaches, and counselors. This is a very important piece. Y'all don't get me wrong to let the client discover. Okay. Mm-hmm. Y'all I've been doing this work for 30 years. I'm kind of past that mostly And I'll tell you why. Okay, that is very, very important. However, therapists and counselors and coaches sit and process way too much, just way, way, way too much. So I I agree. Yeah, I have shifted into kind of more of a, I guess it may be coaching platforms where uh, I use everything in my arsenal. And you know what? It's amazing. When you, you're able to drop a level of insight, whether it's from a vision like you had, right? You're being shown something that this person felt trapped. When you're able to pick up on things that perhaps a person can't put that disclosure into words or isn't even aware. But all of a sudden you're saying, oh my gosh, you know, well, let me just share with you what I saw. I saw that you were trapped in a gate and I wonder if that's how you feel. Oh my gosh. Yes. And then there's a great mm-hmm. So I, I encourage people, therapists, coaches, and to really lean into those nudges. And a lot of the times I think because they're, they're scared to embrace their gifts. They're scared to tell people, Hey, by the way, you know, this is what I saw because they're, they're afraid that they'll, you know, woo is kind of weird or will react oddly. It's just not the case. I've had clients come to me who who were referred, who did not know what I did. And I was their first, and so to speak, exposure to a person with gifts. And recently, I actually started to work with somebody. Her father is a a psychiatrist in her hometown, and she is a therapist as well, but had not heard of this kind of work. But she's making leaps and bounds of progress because she's, for lack of a better term, bought into it. She's getting it. She how nice. helpful. Mm-hmm. Me sharing those insights, what there are. But I'm telling y'all, this is the way to go in terms of shifting and expanding not only how you show up as a therapist, coach, or counselor and how you serve your clients, but also how you can grow your business. When we lean into the nudges and hunches and follow them and just are comfortable in our skin enough to say, hey, by the way, I have this sense that, that situation made you feel uncomfortable or gosh, you know, it feels like you're trapped. I kind of ended up seeing this. It will take your work with your clients to another orbit and you found that out.
0: Oh yes, for sure. And I think I have to get more comfortable with like what you said to say, I actually saw this yeah. in session, you know, cause I'm not used to doing that. I think other listeners probably agree with that. It can right. feel like foreign to us
1: or scary and scary. Yeah. And, and maybe, you know, I, I encounter, People who maybe they live in very rural, conservative towns where maybe it's a church-based town or a religious-based town or their family wouldn't accept them or think they're weird. Like all these societal, cultural reasons or excuses to not embrace your gifts or to fear, let's put it that way, standing in your knowingness. It's just, it's one of those things where once you build up the trust within you that your intuitions are always working in your favor, your gu- guidance, it doesn't seem as scary because it then becomes your truth.
0: Knowing that intuition is working for you. Oh, always, yeah. always, always, always. So is there other ways therapists could use intuition in sessions to help clients?
1: I think the other piece is to teach your clients how to trust themselves. Okay, I think one yeah. of the, the hallmarks of any person who is trying to get rid of pain and better themselves is to learn to trust themselves, period. Trust what they feel, trust what they know, trust what they want, trust what they don't want. When we teach our clients to not ignore red flags, to trust those uh uh-oh moments, yeah, that's huge. That's the other piece. They, They work hand in hand.
0: Because a lot of them don't trust themselves and their oh, yeah. decision-making and right. second-guess right. themselves. So, I know because I see a lot of clients with anxiety and see that all the time. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. And and anxiety, really, when you think about it, I always talk to my clients about the positive intention of feelings. We are not meant to suffer. We're just not meant to suffer. That's not why we're here on Earth, nor to sit in the, uh, I call it a different name on my podcast, what we'll call it the, the black hole of feeling. Like we're just not supposed to, but most people do. So, just like you did when you kind of objectified with that client, that sense of grief. So too can you objectify other feelings and ask the feeling, "Gosh, you know, what's the positive intention of you being here? Why are you here? Anxiety? Why are you here?" I'm going to go off on a little tangent, and then I'm I'll end because this is going to be helpful for listeners and for therapists. Yes, anxiety. We really don't need it most of the time. We really only need anxiety when we're in danger and we're very often not in danger. We develop anxiety because we need to take action in our lives and we're feeling immobilized and helpless. So we become anxious. Two, we are focused too much on the future. It's called anticipatory anxiety where we're worried about worrying, right? That's not helpful being in the future. Uh, or where we're stuck in the grief of the past, the melancholy, and we take that anticipated sadness into our present and our future with really no basis. Anxiety also serves as a beacon, as a call for us to start being more involved in our own lives rather than feeling like life is happening to us or at us. So anxiety really is actually a very positive thing. And if you align with it and say immediately in a moment where you feel that uh uh-oh or feeling nervous or whatever, and you say, all right, dude, anxiety, why are you here? What do I need to know? Well, you need to calm down, first of all, anxiety and say, just chill out, breathe. What are you getting yourself all upset for? There are always options. And if you're stuck, I'm here to say you need to figure it out. Go find somebody, go do something, take action. So that's my take on anxiety. Does it mean that you don't have physical responses and that you don't have panic and you don't have sweats and you don't have high heart? Yeah. But to abate and eliminate anxiety, I promise you every single time, hand to God right now, you need to take some sort of action. Actions
0: is the important thing. Period. Yeah. I know you talk about vibration and um, talking with clients about vibration, I've never done that. Can you share more about that so our listeners can understand what that was about in your book?
1: Yeah, everything in this world vibrates. It has an energetic vibration. Even what you look at these these like a table, it's in your mind, it's solid, but it's made up of these energetic components like these little you want to consider these little atoms and bubbles of things of energy. So everything vibrates. And it vibrates off each other, right? For example, if you think about the vibration of certain words, there's certain words that have a heavier sense of vibration. And there's some that have a lighter sense. Let's take the concept of sadness and grief. Well, again, the whole point of, of this is everything vibrates along a spectrum, okay? And vibrates with everything else. So if, for example, you say, okay, I'm grieving, well, That could be on one side of the spectrum, which feels very heavy, dark, right? You could feel that I'm in grief. I'm in grief versus somebody on the opposite end of the spectrum saying, yeah, I was just a little bit disappointed. Can you feel the difference? Yes. Right. So words matter. The vibration of the words we use matter because they carry vibration. They really shape how we experience something and perceive something. But when it comes to vibration, as it's connected to intuition, to have the intention to be at a higher vibration means that you are raising up and leaning into the more spiritual aspects of who you are, okay? So when we have the intention to use our intuition and we get into a higher vibrational state, sometimes we can do that very easily by listening to music that lifts our mood. Makes us feel good. I mean, I have a dance party with myself every morning. I don't watch the news and I listen to all sorts of good stuff. And I get myself in my great space. Sometimes you can raise your vibration by thinking about something that you love so much, like a little puppy or uh, a niece or nephew or a child or imagining the sweetest thing I have to experience. We're raising our vibration from something that is very dense to a lightness so that we can be in flow. And when we do that, we allow for more information to come in.
0: Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that allows Mm -hmm. more information to come in. Okay. Sure. Sure, sure. Yeah. That's totally understandable. So can you sum up what is the difference between like a traditional therapist and an intuitive therapist?
1: Yeah. A traditional therapist really is kind of like I was saying before, kind of goes by the books, deals with theory deals with diagnoses, tries to follow whether it's cognitive behavioral approach or what, whatever it is, it's grounded in 3D book learning training by other people. Okay. That's 5 d Five century. We rely on what we hear, see, taste, feel, all of that. Right. And know theoretically, But sixth century is moving beyond that. It's, again, taking the clues and cues from a higher place, from your intuition, from your knowing things that wouldn't be in your, let's just put it this way, in your general awareness. You see it differently. You experience it differently. You somehow know information that you wouldn't know from anywhere because you've never heard of it before. And I find that happens a lot when people come to me for readings. I make sure that they don't tell me anything about themselves because I want the reading to be pure. And there's no way that I could know something about a complete stranger except for it being shown to me. And we're shown. And that, that's the sixth century. We're shown in our mind's eye. We're shown through what we hear. We're shown through a knowingness. We're shown through what we sense and feel. That's sixth century. Sixth century therapist rely on of course the experience that they have but also the intuitive and psychic hunches and nudges of things that we are being shown
0: outside of a textbook a traditional therapy Mm -hmm. yeah now i just Mm -hmm. love that chapter too because that that really helps it it helped me to clarify too to understand that and think about it you know so are you able to tune into your intuition right now to share anything else my listeners might need to hear
1: well i'll tell you what i'm going to clarify intuition from what I'm about to do, which is tapping into my psychic gifts. Okay. So when, when we use our intuition in our own lives, we're just kind of working for ourselves and we're trusting the hunches and nudges that we get. So I'm reinforcing the concept of intuition, but with what you're asking me, what I do is I connect with the collective and I connect with my spirit guide team and spirit and I call them they, and they show me what I need to see. What I feel like is that there's so many therapists out there who want to come out of the closet. They have these, like you, you know, they have these experiences, and maybe they don't know what they are, and they they don't know how to deal with them, and so they haven't had any training, so they don't know what to do with them, and they don't do anything. But they're like, wait a minute, I get all these hits. So I feel like my sense is there are more therapists, coaches, and counselors out there that are ready to embrace. Their gifts because you're already using them in your work. You just don't give yourself credit. The other thing is, they're saying stop being afraid of how weird your clients will think you are. <laughs> when you, say, I think hey, that's by perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but by saying, hey, mm-hmm. by the way, I just want to tell you, you know, sometimes I see images, people, places, words, things. Sometimes I feel things. Sometimes I hear things, and I like to give them to my clients. Because I often find that it helps the process. And my hope is that you're open to that. It's kind of like, you're not even asking your clients. You're just like, this is how it works. And I get it. I have never met somebody that has said no to me, ever. Yeah. yeah, Who wouldn't want a therapist (laughs) who is plugged into something more? Yeah. I mean, that's what I hear all the time. I want something more. I've gotten the most out of this five sensory therapist. She just can't take me beyond I feel like there's something more and that's why people come to me and so it is really there is nothing to be afraid of because there's beauty in embracing the gifts that you have and in all honesty this is a very special message for the listeners which is you are here to fulfill a purpose and if you don't use all of your means then you can't fulfill a purpose it's literally like a crime that you're not using all your means. In my work, it's like I play full out all the time. The way I'm talking to you is the way I talk to my clients. Spirit uses me very directly. And the beauty of being able to speak directly is, is that spirit softens the tone that I have so that I could tell people very directly what I sense and it's received well. And so I, I encourage therapists, coaches and counselors to embrace the strength within them to use whatever modalities is possible to help the clients. Because that—that's why they're coming to you. People yes. seek people out to get out of pain, not to for you to kind of sit in a black hole with them and process stuff over and process and process, over, and again. process. Oh, to <laughs> death. It's like enough. If if yeah. you are doing that with your clients, then you are not doing the work you need to do to be the kind of therapist you could be. You don't know what you're doing if all you do is sit and process with your clients all the time. And I've supervised many therapists over my years and taught them the shifts to be able to take clients from process, process, process to achievement. And that's part of the message today, which is get out of process, get into yourself. There's a, There are exercises in the book about how to ground yourself energetically. Oh, I love those. Yourself. She has
0: a great chapter on that. Oh,
1: so good. Yeah, and in my podcast, There's all sorts of things, topics that you can use as therapists to really lean into and develop your your intuitive gifts. And also I kind of do an exercise with you to help you learn how to ground yourself because that makes a huge difference. And and lastly, for sure, get comfortable in the skin of who you are. That is living six sensory life. When you are comfortable in your skin, you're not trying so hard, you're in flow you follow your hunches and nudges and you're being of the highest service you could possibly be. So I hope all of that helps
0: somebody. Or helps yeah, people. wonderful takeaway. Yeah. I really appreciate you tuning in with that and sharing all the information. Just like I said, the book has so much of these amazing information and there's so many tools in there. I just can't say how <laughs> great it is. <laughs>
1: too many times. I, yeah. It's so funny. i really, it was a dream to write this book <laughs> Aww, and I yeah. really, really wanted back then I, I published it in 2016. I wanted to use all of those years of experience to really yes. help the shortcuts. I mean, that's really, I want people to have shortcuts because I've, I've been through enough and I don't yep. want a, people to have to struggle the way I did. And so therapists nice. and yeah. too. That's that cool.
0: sounds like that's some cool. of your purpose then, huh?
1: Oh, no question shorten the lifespan of struggle and suffering. Nice.
0: Mm -hmm. So what's the best way for listeners to find you and learn more about you? Well, you can see
1: my website at janisrcohen.com. That's J-A-N-I-S-R-C-O-H-E-N.com. You can look me up on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Google at the Intuitive Therapist Podcast and subscribe. You can find me on Twitter. I'm kind of not on there often, really, but I'm there. Me but really more of more of my website, my podcast, and of course, Amazon and Barnes and Noble sell the book.
0: And we'll put all that in the show notes as well. So you can yeah. access that. Great. Well, this has been a wonderful talk with you. Thank you so much for coming on. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me. And I want to thank my listeners for tuning into today's episode. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts so we can reach more holistic therapists and continue to grow the show. And this is Chris McDonald sending each one of you much light and love. Until next time, take care. If you're loving the show, will you rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform? We just started this and that helps other people find this show. Also, if you're feeling uncertain about your modalities and you want to build your confidence to be your unique self, I want you to join my free email course, Becoming a Holistic Counselor, over at HolisticCounselingPodcast.com. In my Becoming a Holistic Counselor course, you'll get tips for adding integrative care into your practice, what training you need and don't, and the know-how to attract your ideal holistic clients. If this sounds like the direction you are headed, sign up at HolisticCounselingPodcast.com.